This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League Fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are looking back at a wild divisional round before discussing the playoffs, or excuse me, before discussing the championship games. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. So let's take a quick look back at the divisional round playoffs to start, and we'll just go in order of the games as they happened. We had the Bengals beating the Titans on a last-second field goal, 19-16. Not many offensive touchdowns in this game. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, but eventually Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions, including the most costly one near the end of the game. Did this really come down to who was the better quarterback? Um, I think that's the easy answer. Uh, I do think that the Bengals defensively were just better as well, but that could probably, you could argue that as quarterback play, you know, on the other side, but I felt Joe Burrow did very, very well for being hit as many times as he was just hang in there, especially with as young as he is coming off of a major injury. Um, The Bengals are an impressive team and uh, they're my team now that I'm rooting for to win the whole thing. But yeah, I, I think I called this too. I think I called Bengals over Titans. I'm pretty sure you did, but uh, it still is bleak in comparison to my 10-0 and 0 start for predictions to open the playoffs. Jeez, here we go. <laughs> oh, you know that's coming back around again and again and again. <laughs> A.J. Brown had a good finish to the season and a really good game here. It seemed every time they needed a big play, he was the guy downfield that just seemed to be wide open against the coverage. Derrick Henry also came back to play from injury in this game, but Deontay Foreman was the best Titans running back down the stretch. What do you see from any of these players and this team fantasy-wise next year? A.J. Brown, for me, I think he's a top three dynasty wide receiver with as productive as he's been. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. With as productive as he's been with the quarterback that he's kind of had to deal with. I know Tannehill hasn't been like Miami Ryan Tannehill, but he's still not an elite guy. Middle of the road is best. The issue with AJ Brown is health and availability. You know, Mike McCarthy used to say the best ability or best ability is availability. Right. And he's not really there, but when he's on the field, he's for sure their number one guy, Julio Jones, you know, didn't really do anything to cut into his uh, share, even when they were on the field as little as they were together. But I, A.J. Brown, you know, I'm super high on him. Uh, Deontay Foreman, you, I, I'll give you credit. You you called this back when, when he kind of took over the backfield after the Adrian Peterson experiment. He did a whole lot better than I thought he would. But the issue is, uh, you know, what is going to happen next year? Fast forward to Derek Derrick Henry, because I think those are kind of the big three that we're talking about. Uh, right. Derrick Henry, that that one, I'm not happy if I'm a Derrick Henry owner with one in with one the wear and tear that he just takes, just in general. 
two, it's a foot injury, you know, and especially as a running back, that's so, so important. And especially with a foot injury, you're never the same after getting bolts and plates in anywhere, especially in the foot. If I'm a Derrick Henry owner, I'm, I'm a little ticked off. I'm a little upset. And I would really try to sell him at this point to see as much as you can get. I think that his age and relative carries over the last few seasons and the nature of that injury would lead me to agree. But if you're just looking at him as maximizing your potential for next year, like I wouldn't be necessarily too risk adverse, depending on where the price was at for redraft leagues. I still think he can be a productive guy because that offense is really centered around him. And Deontay Foreman, I think, is a free agent. I think the Titans would be crazy to try and let him walk, but we don't know what's going to happen with everybody's cap situation. So it's a fluid, open category as far as I'm concerned on that front. But I would tend to agree that, yeah, you take some definite risks from a dynasty perspective because he's had more carries than just about anybody. I think he did not play the last nine weeks of the season and was still ninth in carries for the entire season. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's crazy. I think it's the uh, most or the, excuse me, the most missed games with the most amount of carries to still finish in the top 10 of carries per season ever in the history of the NFL. I mean, it, it was an enormous amount of carries and load that he was taking on for this offense, especially early on when Tannehill in this passing game was not, clicking well. And I think we've seen a lot of the warts of Ryan Tannehill when they're not as fluid. I thought that some of this could have been baked in this year with the coordinator change and going through a whole new system that we might see something different. Derrick Henry is not the most important person to what the Titans want to do specifically on offense. It seems to be AJ Brown. And I think we got a sense of that. I don't know if I would put him in the top three. I think he's valuable, but you already mentioned it. It's a health thing. I don't know if we can rely on him to be completely healthy. He played an entire season last year in a really productive season, but he was banged up. Like, didn't he have a broken calf or something? Yeah. Yeah. Some like broken something bone weird. in his leg yeah. the entire season. I mean, that's just nuts. And to try and, gutted out on that the entire season, I think might actually hurt his long-term value. So where would you, where would you throw him in then? You know, if you're, he's not in your top three, where would you, would you put him top five? Well, here's the thing. I think that you got to rank it in tiers. Like right now, I think you could comfortably say that the top two wide receivers, as far as youth ability and production are Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. Yep. After that, you're talking about Devonte Adams just due to production, but his long-term ability is not quite as there. And Cooper right. Cupper probably in that next range of guys, especially See, because we what, don't know where Adams is going to end up next year, if he's going to be a Packer or if he's going to end up someplace else. See, that's where I would put AJ Brown because of he's got so many years left. And I think he is, you know, as he can be pretty productive, I would throw him in that tier with, with Cup and Devonte but they're older and that's why I have him kind of over them for me. You know, you could, I could argue top five, you know, but he's up there for me. So you basically equate the question marks with age. Yeah. So health and age are relative in this category. I mean, it's, it's important. I mean, that because that's what dynasty is, you know, you're trying, you don't want to be the old team, right? You want to be the one where you, you get them before their peak. 
and I don't think he's nearly seen his peak yet. Well, I'd have no problem being the old team as long as you're winning. No, I'm just saying, you know, you know what I mean. Dynasty wise, you want to hit them, you want to get them before their peak. And I think Cooper Cup, I think Devontae Adams, they're they're on their peak. If not, you know, going to be. You got to expect less from Cooper Cup next year, right? I don't know. I think yeah, just basic regression would tell you that there's no way he's going to put up that kind of statistical season again. Yes, they're not going to have, gosh, I mean, even at the way defenses were playing him at the end of the year, it was for a while that you couldn't cover him at all. And by the end of the year, you were basically putting two guys in the slot in order to get him. So I, I don't know. I think teams will try and adjust to that offense differently. And if Robert Woods can successfully come back and play, right. I mean, that's right. not a given. I mean, he's coming off of an ACL to an, a wide receiver position there. You've got to requires a lot of agility, but you know, what is this offense going to be? And does somebody like Van Jefferson or Cam Akers really step forward and make a, a difference on that team? I don't know. Who's to say, all right, it's time. <sighs> I guess, what stage of grief are you at about this next game? I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I did not watch very many snaps of Rams Buccaneers, and I watched Bills Chiefs when it got really, really good just because I I felt like I needed to be in that moment for that. But I don't know where I'm at yet. I'm still – I guess I'm over depression. <laughs> I guess I'm past that point. I guess I'm past anger too. So I might've even gone through a bargaining stage too. So maybe I'm at acceptance. Maybe You're getting I'm getting close. You're getting close. I'm getting, I'm getting close to say, I mean, that it's almost I'm been a week over it, but it's yeah. And I feel like that's fast. I don't think I'm going to be completely over it until I don't see football on TV anymore. So I'll just describe this to you. I was at home with my dad uh, due to some circumstances I don't need to go into. And about, I want to say the last two minutes of the game, right before Debo made that run, I had already reached acceptance because I could just see the writing on the wall. I figured after that punt was blocked, and especially after we went three and out on that next drive, I'm like, there's no way they're winning this game. There's just, I can't see them winning this game. I was, I was fine even after the block because when my head, I'm like, Aaron Rodgers has four minutes to, get us at least three points at home. And that's, that was it. And then he went three and out. And then I'm like, Oh, friggin' shit. And especially with the way they'd been running the, running the football. And then I saw the all 22 of that third down and long of Alan Lazard wide fucking open. And that's, I think that's when I hit the anger stage, like really, really pissed off anger stage. Um, cause that was a couple days later cause it was floating around there and I just refused to look at it. And then I did. And I just wish I didn't. Like I was very afraid after the game and I, I suppose I should catch everybody else up. We are talking about the 49ers Packers game. I think you can tell in our voice, we're both Packer <laughs> fans. If you've not been listening to the show for a long time, this is a somewhat painful matter for both of us, but I was afraid because my dad immediately after the game, starts just like going in a circle around the kitchen table and screaming, fuck, like (laughs) loudly, just repeatedly over and over and over. Like he had Tourette's and 
I don't know whether I was trying to suppress my laughter or what, but I reached acceptance probably 15 seconds after that kick was made. And I'm like, yep. Okay. I, I kind of, I expected the Packers to disappoint me and yeah, of course they did. I mean, I picked against them for God's sakes, maybe as an omen or a, a sign of good luck, because usually me picking against my own teams is, is good luck, but I kind of saw this. I, I knew this was going to be a possibility and they dominated that game and had no business losing. And yet they did anyway. So I don't know what there is more to recap, but I was deathly afraid. I waited. Oh gosh, probably a good 45 minutes because everything was being passed around on Twitter and on the internet, but I didn't want to tell my dad right away. Hey dad, they took a look at the play on the last play of the game when they're trying to block the field goal. And they only had 10 guys on the field. Yeah. I mean, really? And then what extra set him off was the clip on the sideline of Garoppolo saying, fuck the Packers. (sighs) Is, is, okay. Let me phrase it this way. Are the Packers now a snake bitten franchise or is this more explainable as a singular defeat of this team? I mean, we've had some stupid shit happen, but I don't think as much stupid shit as people would like to admit. I think other times we've just kind of gotten our ass beat down uh, by incompetence. And I'm going to go say it. Like, I feel like 12 played his worst game in a playoffs that I have ever seen in a long, long time. Just his inability to trust teammates in big situations when he's been trusting them all damn year long. He took sacks that he shouldn't have taken. Matt LaFleur even said at halftime, he's got to get the ball out quicker, refused to do it, went back to the hero Mike McCarthy days of, I'm going to hold on to the ball, I'm going to hold on to the ball, I'm going to hold on to the ball. And I think that says a lot more about this particular loss in general. I, the other games, I think we've just gotten beaten down with, you know, with his inability to do the, what it takes, but – you know, he always had the excuse of the defense, the defense, the defense. You can't say shit about the defense. And I don't want to hear anything about the special teams either, because at the end of the day, they gave up 10, maybe 13 points, leaving that field goal out on that. You're telling me Aaron Rodgers can't score 14 points at home in the playoffs? Well, That's he had never scored is. less than 20 in a playoff game ever. That's what my issue is. Solely with the quarterback. Solely with the quarterback. He played goddamn awful. So to answer your question, I think it's just the letdown of this particular team. I think each team is somewhat explainable as a singular defeat, regardless of the playoff loss. But there are some things that are systemic. Uh, Special teams letting us down in the playoffs. You want to talk about that 2014 NFC Championship game on the uh, fake field goal touchdown or the botched onside kick. I mean, there, there are too many numerous things to go. I think the worst playoff game I ever watched Rodgers play was actually the uh, 2011 or 2010 NFC Championship game against the Bears. Like, you go back and look at it. He rushed for a touchdown, and they had that opening drive touchdown. But realistically, it was more of a fact that they were playing the Bears' second and third string quarterback early on in that game that really got them through because he did not play well in that game. Mm -mm. And I think the colder it gets, the worse he actually plays, which – I don't know then why he said the colder, the better, but it it clearly has not fit exactly what he wants to do. And I think there was a comment somewhere that someone made 
that actually the more hurt he is, the less mobile he is, the better off he actually is as a passer because he gets the ball out quickly. He plays within yep. the offense. He's in rhythm yep. and he does all this stuff. If I'm a cold weather team and the most likely destination outside of the Green Bay Packers or retirement next year, it sounds like Denver. I'd be looking really hard at whether or not I want this guy in my cold weather stadium for the playoffs. So that inevitably leads us to the next question that has been the topic du jour outside of the championship games this week. Where is Aaron Rodgers going or what is he doing and how does that affect all of the rest of the Packer players? I don't really think he's going to go anywhere. He's either going to re or re up here or he's going to just retire. I personally believe that all this talk to Denver nonsense is just that nonsense and kind of the story of the moment. Um, if he comes back though, I think for him to come back, they're going to have to try to get everybody back offensively. Devonte Adams, like all those guys, he's, he's going to want his squad back. So I think that's what it's going to take. But then, you know, I, I don't really know, you know, him leaving all the other players, you know, maybe also leaving, I guess the real question is what is it going to do to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon? I think it helps AJ Dillon. I think it hurts Aaron Jones because, you know, AJ Dillon can run anything, whether it's a stack box, like you just give it to him because he's such a big dude. Devontae Adams, you're just going to have to see where he's at. But yeah, I, I don't, I guess I don't really have a lot invested in Packer wide receivers with Jordan Love because we haven't seen anything to show otherwise. I would agree. I think Devontae Adams is a singular talent and I really wouldn't be too worried about his fantasy value unless he goes to a team that doesn't have a very good established quarterback, which I don't, don't think is necessarily going to be the case. I don't know if every offense is going to be built around getting him at least 10 to 12 targets a game in the same way, just because they really force fed him in a way that you don't see on most teams and was unfortunately to their detriment in this game. But there's a difference, I think, coming for the Green Bay Packers. They're going to have to make choices. Resigning everybody and trying to run it back is just not going to be feasible. Whether you talk about two different offensive tackles that they had starting for them in that championship game are both going to be potential free agents. You have Bob Tanyan, who didn't even play the second half of the year with that ACL entry. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's open on a contract. Randall Cobb's probably on the chopping block. You're talking about Devontae Adams without a contract. I think it's possible that we get another year of Rodgers and Adams, and I would agree with your assessment. I think the two most likely outcomes are either retirement or staying with Green Bay, but I still don't think that they're going to completely run back this offense just because the ability to do it is going to be limited. You can't completely run it back, but you got to get his core people back. And I'm not even saying Randall Cobb is in that core people. You just got to bring enough back offensively and defensively to make it seem like, okay, like I can make another run at it if, if, if everything kind of falls into place. The thing is, if they want to get something done, there's ways of getting something done, especially with the cap where it's at. Like I follow Andrew Brandt on Twitter, and he's, he's like, if they want to get it done, there is no way that you can possibly say, no, it absolutely cannot be get done. There'll be some casualties, but if they want to bring a core back, there's absolutely ways to make that possible. Well, I mean, they do have guys under contract and for good numbers already. You talk about Bakhtiari, who I think will be back next year and probably be just fine, given the fact that he was 
close to coming to a return, and he's got an entire another offseason. I don't know when Elton Jenkins would be back, but you talk about Josh Myers would be there, John Runyon. I mean, there are enough guys on the offensive line in order to make enough factors. And I do think you could bring in a veteran presence to lock up that right tackle spot. You've got both of your running backs under contract. You've been able to make things work with the tight ends that you have on the squad, but you can also go and get a, you know, mediocre tight end that's at least capable of blocking and doing some different things. And I do think that they're going to add some type of offensive weapon if Aaron's back, because you've got to upload on the amount of guys that can be pass catchers in this offense. Clearly just focusing on Devontae over the last couple of years, that would be the number one thing that you have to start the off-season program with is trying to figure out a way to diversify your offensive strategy, or at least making Aaron Rodgers go to somebody else in a critical moment. All right, let's move off of this before we uh, both hurl. Rams and Buccaneers. I did actually watch both of the games on Sunday without much of a problem, but the Rams tried to do their very best to give away this game. In the end, it was Cooper Cup who bailed them out. How much do you trust the Rams yet in the playoffs? I don't. That's why it's so frustrating that the Packers lost. Like, I feel like that was going to be their toughest game against the 49 The Rams, Buccaneers, they didn't fucking scare me at all. The, the Rams, they don't. There's just something about them where I'm kind of surprised that they're here in the NFC Championship game in general. Like, their offense is, is pretty good. You know, Matt Stafford does some things. They got some guys on defense, but they have no depth whatsoever. So, you know, if they do make it to the Super Bowl, congratulations for them. I guess I really don't want to see the 49ers either. It's kind of one of those damn things where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But, yeah, I don't trust the Rams. I don't. I'd much rather root for Mahomes or Joe Burrow, but I, I get you. I get where you're at. Neither of these teams seems to play well with a lead or to be able to – uh, salt things away. They just kind of want to keep you around and they make so many bad mistakes or become way too conservative with big leads. And the Rams really shouldn't have ever been to a point where they could have actually lost this game. They were out early in front. They fumbled at the half yard line going in before halftime. I mean, just so many bad mistakes. And how many times is a team going to fumble four times? This game was, should have been salted away and somehow that Brady magic came back and yet it still wasn't quite enough. I don't know. I don't trust the Rams. I don't even trust the Rams in this weekend's game, let alone we talk about getting through a Super Bowl. So yeah, to me, this is a, a team that uh, just does not have that tiger blood in them. So then the other big quarterback who is potentially going to retire, do you think we have seen the last of Tom Brady? I, it certainly sounds like he's closer this year than he's ever been. So if he does retire, I guess it wouldn't really surprise me. I don't think it would surprise me. I know he's talked about playing till 45, but you think of the guys that are either not going to be back or how different this team is going to be. And he just does not hold the ability to pick up and go to another contender. I think this is probably pretty close to as he's going to retire, as I've been willing to say, because I think unless he has the perfect team surrounding him. And you, you talk about Godwin and Evans and all of the other guys, but now that Brown's gone, Godwin's probably going to be out for the, the entire year next year, or at least pretty close to it. He had a lot of offensive linemen banged up. Fournette may not be back on that team. You just don't know what the Buccaneers are going to look like. I do think that this team's going to end up hitting a complete reset button. And that's going to be the entirety of the NFC South. I mean, 
the Panthers are going through a quarterback transition. We don't know if Matt Ryan's going to be back with the Atlanta Falcons. Sean Payton now walked away with probably Jameis Winston away from the Saints, so they're going to need another quarterback. And if Tom Brady retires, that complete division is going to be wide open for next season. So with Brady, if he does retire, where does this put the potential juggernaut of a fantasy team for next year? Do we even rely on Mike Evans or can we expect Leonard Fournette or Chris Godwin to come back and have decent seasons or are they probably headed elsewhere? Where do you see kind of the cards for a lot of these guys that were superstars for most of the year? Yeah. I mean, I think Tampa Bay is kind of going to be one of those teams because they're already paying Tom Brady a decent amount of money. It's not like, you know, something crazy, but, I think they'd go out and try to find another uh, quarterback. I really do. And it really wouldn't surprise me if Jameis Winston was kind of back in the fold. It, it kind of wouldn't. But I think they would go out and they'd try to find a super quality starter to kind of keep the band as uh, together as can be. Because it also wouldn't surprise me either if they couldn't figure it out. I don't think um, their coach Arians is the type of coach that's going to want to go through a rebuild. I think he's too old. He's seen too many things. And I don't think he wants time for that. So we could be talking about the end of him as well, depending on what they do. Well, I mean, you talk about some of the defenders on that team, Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre, Paul. I mean, none of some of those guys aren't really that young. So I think we could see Gronk retire again because Brady's not going to be around and he's not going to want to just play with anybody else. I think Godwin being out for the year, I don't even know if he'll be back with Tampa Bay, let alone play with Fournette. Who knows? I mean, if he got the benefit of getting a lot of dump off passes from Brady this year and he had a really good year, but do I see that carrying over to another team? Probably not. So who knows? It's a completely wide open situation and a, what I would say is one of the most fluid off seasons we're going to have by March 1st. All right. Finally, the game that won everybody's heart and basically said, can we have this every single year in the playoffs bills at chiefs? I'll just start with this note. What a game. Yeah, that was a that was a fun one. This was kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be, just not the outcome. Well, you start off the last two minutes, and I think for the most part, you could probably watch those last two minutes plus overtime on a loop as far as game time and regulation. A fourth and 13, and you find a wide open guy in the back of the end zone. The Chiefs go down and get a 64-yard touchdown on a Tyreek Hill just blowing everybody away with his speed touchdown. The Bills come right back down the field and get it 13 seconds remaining. The Chiefs somehow have all of their timeouts left on an Andy Reid team and get in position to kick the field goal to tie the game in a way they shouldn't have been able to, and then go down the field right in overtime, score the touchdown, and the game's over. You had, I think, 25 points scored in the fourth quarter in overtime, and Patrick Mahomes had 177 yards passing after the two-minute mark. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, uh, what I'm, what I'm going to remember is 13 seconds. He had 13 seconds, and he was able to get down there and get a field goal and get the thing into overtime. 13 seconds. That's absolutely incredible. Did you see this week that a lot of the Kansas City fans are actually donating $13 to Josh Allen's favorite charity? They're, that's cool because Buffalo Bills fans are so awesome. So I think that's probably what they're doing. It Bills Mafia, they they get their shit going, and they've, they've done certain stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. 
and we talked about it last week. You're talking about four of the great quarterbacks in the league that are all in the same conference and could be having these games every weekend in the playoffs for years to come. Mahomes, Herbert, you got Burrow and Allen. And I just looked forward to some of these Titanic matchups as we go along. So we seemingly ask this question every week, but who would you rather have for the next 10 years, Allen or Mahomes? For me, I guess it, I'm happy to have the second pick. <laughs> like, Sure, give me whatever's left. I mean, I guess, you know, the hot the hot guy right now is, is Mahomes. But for me, I'm still there with Josh Allen. I think I answered this question last year, too, at the same time. For me, it's still Josh Allen, the ability to run the football. He's going to get one. You know, the, the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs eventually. Like, it's just going to happen. We've seen a lot of the Brady-Manning talk, but – you can't really do that because of what you said. There's two other quarterbacks in this division that are really fucking good. So, you know, maybe they not might not run out, run into each other all the time. You know, one might get lucky while having the other team knock them, all that other stuff. But for me, it's Josh Allen, the rushing ability, his ability to throw the football. Like he's got the biggest arm in the league for sure. So Josh Allen. I'm going to cheat on this question. For the first five years, I'll take Josh Allen. For the next five years, I'll take Patrick Mahomes. I think in the <laughs> short term, Josh Allen's rushing ability, and you hit the nail on the head, is probably what's going to separate him as a fantasy quarterback. But how long can he sustain being their primary running back and somewhat of their uh, nosedive fullback? I mean, that can only last so long. I know he's built differently, but we said that about Cam Newton too, and Cam Newton's not playing, and he's, what, 32? So – Let's just pump the brakes on how much he can be their primary guy and how much he can move the football on fourth and one. He's going to be able to do it, but how long can he sustain it? I think Mahomes playing more from the pocket and he can run. He showed it in this game. He had a lot of rushing yards. He had a rushing touchdown. I think he can show it off when he needs to, but him being able to do more from the pocket, I think is what's going to give him the better longevity over time. Either way, I don't think you lose though. I mean, it's kind of a moot question. And then finally, after a singularly great performance with 200 plus yards and four touchdowns, what do you expect from Gabriel Davis next season? Tempering expectations. You know, he's still going to be behind, going to be behind a handful of guys and Cole Beasley and well, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. Who else is there? Um, Emmanuel Sanders. Is he coming back? Right. I think. I so. don't think so. I, I think well, he's off of his contract. There's really nobody behind. Stefan Diggs because Beasley's their slot guy. Davis is going to be on the outside. And Isaiah McKenzie, a guy they really like, doesn't really play much on the outside. I think he actually is going to end up uh, replacing Cole Beasley, who's probably going to be a cap casualty, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm still just tempering expectations. I know he had a higher, uh, or he did well towards the end of the year in the regular season as well and you know, playoffs, but I'm going to kind of keep a level head on this so far. I think if he truly does become Buffalo's second receiver, and we, we saw that the Bills really excelled when they emptied it out and went full pass almost all the time, I think that there is a possibility for the second receiver in this offense to get over 1,000 yards and a half dozen touchdowns. I mean, what he did in this game is absolutely insane, but his ability to repeat that is probably slim to none there's a reason nobody has ever had four touchdowns and over 200 yards in a playoff game, not even Jerry Rice. So his ability to repeat that is probably singularly unexplainable. And I agree that you temper some of the expectations, but this is going to be a productive offense, even though 
today, this morning, or I guess this afternoon, uh, Brian Dable did accept the job as the Giants head coach. So they're going to have to change somewhat their offensive system. But I still expect the Bills to be a very good offensive football team, even without him. So if you're going to expect something out of the second wide receiver, which has been a productive position at times, especially if they continue to double cover Stefan Diggs, then I expect this to still be productive, even if it is Gabriel Davis, because they're going to get younger and cheaper. Although I'm not packaging a second or excuse me, Gabriel Davis and a third round pick for Jerry Judy. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> Should I cut this part of the podcast? No, leave it. <laughs> At least you don't have to give up two seconds being forced to take some by you don't really even want. <laughs> I'll discuss that in more detail uh, after, uh, after air. <laughs> All right. Let's turn our attention to the championship games themselves. Kansas City is favored by seven at home. They are, I think, seven and one all time in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. The one exception being the overtime game against the Patriots in the AFC Championship a few years back. The Patriots got the coin toss and went right down the field, just like they did against the Bills last week. And Patrick Mahomes never got a chance to match. I would say that Kansas City is the clear favorite in this one, even though. I don't think that Cincinnati is that far off. And I think most people are relying on the fact that Cincinnati came back and won that week 17 game. But I do think we should go through the matchups as we did last week. So let's start. Who is the better quarterback, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow? Uh, Mahomes. I think he's just got more pelts on the wall. I think at some point Burrow could be on his class, but just give me Patrick Mahomes right now because he's been to the Super Bowl two consecutive years. He's been in the championship game now four consecutive years. He's got a Super Bowl ring. I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Better coach, Andy Reid or Zach Taylor? Um, that's Andy Reid, the one with the Super Bowl. Well, the guy with the Super Bowl and also the second franchise that he's gone to four consecutive NFC championship games with. So, yeah, it's clearly Andy Reid, who is a definite first ballot Hall of Famer. Better defensive line, the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, I think this, out of all the questions, this is going to be as close as it's going to get, but I still am going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, too, just basically because I think the Cincinnati Bengals' defensive line is a little beat up right now, and Hendrickson almost didn't make it back for this game. Larry Okunjobi is out for the rest of the playoffs. I think they, the Chiefs also have the singularly best defensive lineman in this game with Chris Jones, who can be an absolute game wrecker. So give me the Chiefs' defensive line. Are your X factor for this game? The Bengals offensive line. If they have any chance at all of winning this uh, football game, the Bengals offensive line has got to keep Joe Burrow upright. I think it's Tyron Matthew. If he can come back, and I know he didn't play most of the game against the Bills, but he seems to be one of their most important players because he can make a big play when you absolutely need one. I think if he's back against Burrow, that's going to be an absolutely fun matchup to watch see him try and bait Burrow into throwing a bad pick here or there because Burrow has a tendency to do that. I think Kansas City will be ready based on the fact that they lost that first matchup. I would say it's Tyron Matthew for me. Finally, our picks for this game. I'm going to go Kansas City. I went with them to win the Super Bowl in my preseason. I'm going to stick with it since I'm already 10-0. Might as well go for 12-0 this week. I'm going to go Kansas City. Who's your pick? I'm taking Cincinnati. I, I, I want to see the whole establishment burn to the ground. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. 
All right. Cool deal. (laughs) All right. Then San Francisco at the Los Angeles Rams. This is unfortunately supposedly going to delay the Super Bowl preparations, which will also be in what is it? SoFi Stadium in Burbank? No, um, Inglewood. Inglewood. So, a uh, better quarterback in this matchup, Matthew Stafford or Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, Stafford. I think we know the answer to that. Stafford is much more talented. They're both prone to mistakes, but Stafford's the guy that can really go out and make you a big play. Garoppolo is a very good game manager at this point, and he's clearly banged up. I think it's clearly Stafford. Better coach, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay? Can I go push? Because I think they both do things very, very well. I don't know. I guess I'll take Sean McVay just because fuck the 49ers. So I think that I would also say this is a completely even matchup, save for the fact that uh, what is it? Kyle Shanahan is six and oh, eight and oh, whatever it is against Sean McVay. I think the coaching matchup in this particular matchup favors Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay. So give me Kyle Shanahan. Uh, then be better defensive line. The Rams are the 49ers. I think this could, you could argue that this would be a push too, but I guess I'm going to take the Rams defensive line just because Aaron Donald. I think they just singularly have more talent across the defensive front. I know the 49ers have been really good lately, and they do have probably the second best defensive lineman in this game in Joey Bosa, or excuse me, Nick Bosa, not Joey. Uh, But you talk about Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd. I'll take the uh, Rams defensive line in this one. X factor for you. Uh, the quarterbacks, you know, which one is going to make the fewest mistakes? Um, and I'm not even saying like these are guys that throw three interceptions or anything like that. I just think this is going to be a really close game and controlling the ball is going to be super, super important. So which guy can uh, take care of the ball the best is going to win this football game? I think it's turnovers. The team that yeah, doesn't turn the ball over because you know these quarterbacks are so prone to making that one mistake. Whichever one doesn't make that one boneheaded mistake in the second half that costs you the game is going to win the game. I mean, I could say it's the running games because both offenses are predicated on establishing a running game. But realistically, both of these defenses are pretty good at stopping the run. So I don't expect Eli Mitchell or Cam Akers to have necessarily great games. I think they'll be okay, but they're not going to be efficient. So realistically, to me, it's going to come down to which one of these quarterbacks throws a really bad pick at a time when you really can't have it. So your pick for this game? I guess I'll go the Rams if I have to pick one. I'm never picking the 49ers. I picked preseason the 49ers. I also picked before the season the 49ers to lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So unfortunately, that's exactly where I was going to end up the entire time. I'll go with the 49ers. Playoff over unders. So for the divisional round, we had... The first one up was 0.5 games this weekend going to overtime. Both of us took the over. That was right, but it took the last game of the the entire weekend in order to get there. 174.5 receiving yards for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins combined. We both took the over and we were right. 99.5 total yards for Jarek McKinnon. I took the under. It was 78 yards. You were, or excuse me, you took the under. I took the over. And uh, so you got that one right. You won, or I think you got all five of these correct, and I got uh, four of them correct. So 49.5 rushing and 99.5 receiving for Debo Samuel. He had to do both. We both took the under on that one. Both were correct. 
and 0.5 offensive or defensive lineman touchdowns. I had to search whether the guy who ended up scoring the 49ers touchdown on the punt block was an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. He was a linebacker. So we both covered on the under on that one. And like I said, you were five and zero for last week and you're now 35 and 29 for the season. I am 35 and 33 for the season. So championship game over unders Patrick Mahomes, 26.5 rushing yards. I will take the over. I will also take the over. He just has a tendency to scramble a little bit more when you absolutely need it in some of these playoff games. I'll take the over as well. Jimmy GQ, 222.5 passing yards over or under? Under. Oh, boy. I think they're potentially going to be down in this game, and he's going to have to throw and throw a lot. So I'm going to actually take the over because this is in SoFi Stadium. The elements are right, and he had a good game the last time they were there. So I'll take the over reluctantly. Cam Akers, 59.5 rushing yards in this game. Um, I will take the over. If the Rams are going to be up, golly, I think that they're going to want to run Akers. So I think I would rather take rushing attempts than total rushing yards in this one and be more comfortable. I think this is a pretty good line that they've established here. I'll take the under reluctantly because I do think that the Rams are going to control the game, but they're going to have to pass the ball in order to do so. So I just don't feel confident with the way that he played last weekend. Nah, never mind. I'll take the over. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. All right, we switched it. Matthew Stafford, 35.5 passing attempts against the 49ers, over or under? Oof, it's a lot. I will take the under. I really don't think it's that much. And I know that the Rams, in order to score, are going to have to throw the football. Frankly, both teams are going to. I'm going to take the over on this one. I think that that's a pretty comfortable number because we already saw, I think, Brady threw, what, 58 attempts last weekend? That uh, you really can throw the ball a lot. And uh, in the modern NFL, 36 passing attempts really isn't all that much. T. Higgins, 70.5 receiving yards in this game against the Chiefs, over or under? I'll take the over on this. If Gabriel Davis can get 200 yards because you focused all of your attention on Stefan Diggs, I think that the Chiefs are definitely going to focus on trying to shut Jamar Chase out from having another 200-plus yard day and three touchdowns like he did in Week 17. I'm taking the way over for T. Higgins in this one. I think this might be one of the worst lines that they set all weekend. All right, a recap of our fantasy playoff draft. Uh, We had Aaron Rodgers with 11.3 points for you last weekend. Jamar Chase with 16.4, Tom Brady with 21.5, Debo Samuel with 9.8, Mike Evans with 26.9, Derrick Henry with 12.2, Tyree Kill, your top scorer of the weekend with 31.5, A.J. Dillon with 8.5, Dalton Schultz was off that weekend, and Leonard Fournette came back to 27.2 points. All told, with your total added from last week, your 123.4 from week one, to the 165.3 you scored in the divisional round, you have 288.7 total points. Unfortunately, I had a better weekend again. Travis Kelsey, 19.6. Cooper Cup, 33.8. Joe Mixon, 19.5. Devontae Adams, 13.5. Aaron Jones, 24.5. Eli Mitchell, 8.6. Sony Michelle, a single point. That was a great pick. George Kittle, 8.3 points. Patrick Mahomes, my leader of the weekend, 
48.8 points and Joe Burrow, 18.9 points for 196.5 added to my 137.3 from wildcard weekend. I'm currently sitting at 333.8, which I think is what, uh, close to about 50 or no 45 points ahead of you right now, going into the final weekend. I have at least both of my quarterbacks still remaining. You have neither of yours and I am guaranteed to have at least one quarterback in the Super Bowl this uh, coming, or I guess in three weeks. So uh, are you waving the white flag just yet? Yeah, I, I think you can safely wave it. Another year, another victory. <laughs> victory! Wait, didn't you, don't you have the number one pick in Dynasty this year? Yes. <laughs> I'm winning. All I do is win, win, win. All right. Thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again next week just to recap the championship games. We'll have a preview of the Super Bowl the following week. So that'll be two shorter episodes than normal. But until then. Frig the 49ers, I guess. Wow, alienating our Northern California audience. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm still not at acceptance yet. <laughs> If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.